0: Mike and Virginia Chevalier are not only diehard Broncos fans, but they've supported DNVR for a long time as DNVR members. They're a husband and wife team with over 15 years of financial services experience, and you can visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. But more importantly, get set up for a free consultation to discuss all of your mortgage options. Since your home is likely to be one of your largest assets and your mortgage, your largest debt, they believe it's vital to consider your full financial picture when purchasing a home. This includes considering your short-term and long-term planning goals, your investments, and your tax situation. Mike and Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation when you visit them at dnvrmortgage.com or give them a call at 303-257-6578. That's Michael Chevalier, NMLS 1931006, and Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Let's jump into the show. Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver online. What are you doing with your life? Come spring 2021. Time and time again, the one thing that will protect you against economic downturns is an education allowing you to adapt into varying careers. And you can go build your toolbox at MSU Denver. Or why not have it both ways and make money and work while you're earning your degree. MSU Denver students can tell you all about it. They work double the hours while taking classes As any other school in Colorado, MSU Denver online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. So check them out, msudenver.edu slash online to see all they have to offer and get that education rolling.
1: My boys, what's up? The most wonderful time of the year, December football, Drew Sember. What's going on, fellas?
0: Wow, Drew Sember, what a throwback. (laughs) we need uh we need some Drew Sember uh around these parts doesn't to, that seem uh,
1: so long ago
0: it feels like <laughs> a lifetime o- an honest lifetime ago i can't even like everyone was excited about something there was something to look forward to everyone was happy the broncos had a young quarterback they were winning <clears throat> now half the fan base is convinced that Drew Locke is like the the like life's incarnation of satan uh he's been sent here (laughs) from the underworld to sabotage the broncos (laughs) put them in a negative light uh with the media coverage
1: sent here straight (laughs) from kansas city to do all of that
0: oh that's a good one that one's coming soon
1: (laughs) yep (laughs) yeah their true son came to destroy the broncos oh god Mm.
0: (laughs) anyways
1: wow Uh,
2: yeah good morning to you guys as well (laughs) it's it's all bright and sunny and chipper in this room today my goodness yes
0: don't worry uh i have something way more fun and exciting to talk
1: about oh great Um, i can't wait
0: what if i told you we could go from that to uh a bunch of uh rich spoiled children (laughs) Fighting over uh, the the best seat at the table.
1: Oh yeah, I, I think I'm gonna check out, guys.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's what we're covering today because uh, yesterday, Beth bowen Wallace released what I guess you could call a statement. Uh, I would just call it a collection of meaningless words, um, <laughs> but there were they were in order of. Uh, in an order that creates sentences so that's a good thing to have Um, but it started a whole conversation about Broncos ownership so why don't we start there because there is some reading between the lines because you know it wouldn't be a meaningless statement if there wasn't uh, a lot of vague interpretation that needed to be done so let's uh, start with the statement itself If one of you, Zach, do you have that in front of you?
1: I've got it. So this is the statement that Beth Bolin-Wallace put out. She said, my sister Amy, my uncle John Bolin, and I have had the privilege, along with all fans that bleed orange and blue, of seeing what a winning team looks like. Watching these past few seasons has been extremely painful, and we continue to see no other way to restore the franchise of our fans but through a transition of ownership of the Denver Broncos. My father Pat would never have accepted the team's current state. Fortunately, my father's legacy as one of the NFL's greatest owners has been solidified at the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton. We will forever reflect on the over 30 years of ownership that got him there with great pride. Our our desire is that this team is to be restored to its winning ways and to see more Super Bowl championships for Broncos country. We have been committed to and will continue to (coughs) pursue resolutions on all issues in order to ensure a smooth and timely transition we are hopeful that the current leadership agrees that this is the best interest of the Denver Broncos. And most importantly, it is in the best interest of our incredibly loyal fans and my father's legacy and the Bolin family.
0: Okay. So that's about, um, I don't know, 350 words or something. Um, only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, <laughs> nine, ten. 10, uh, like 14 of those words actually are of any intrigue to anyone. Uh, and those words are, quote, and we continue to see no other way to restore the franchise for our fans, but through a transition of ownership through the Denver Broncos. Uh, I think you, you guys already know how, what I think this means. What do you guys, what, what, does, that, does, what does that mean to you guys?
2: It means, for the first time i think it means there's openness to a sale okay
1: well for 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 me i think it's status quo and and i think it's this team needs to get out of the trust hands and needs to be sold
0: so to me that the the idea of the sale has never been brought up publicly by any bull and children as far as i know um either of you can correct yeah, me if Joe I'm wrong Ellis
2: is the only one yeah it's it's not a Bowen that's brought up it's always been Joe Ellis last year at the end of season press conference
0: so to me that's why the language here suggests that nothing has changed I still think that this is meaning a transition of ownership to Beth Bowen Wallace because and maybe she can turn around and sell it if she's the controlling owner but the the language there we continue to see meaning our stance hasn't changed is like like if if this was an and i should follow up and say there's been a lot of follow-up reporting by other reporters saying that they do want a sale um so what i'm trying to say is this was like the worst way to make headline breaking news like it couldn't have been more buried and vague to say that you want a sale if you want a sale say you want a sale say after reflection and watching the team struggle for the last few years we have decided that the worst thing for the broncos right now is for us to be playing tug of war with the team what we what this team needs is a solidified owner and i think the best way to do that is by selling the team that is that's national news the Bron, like Bowen Child, says Broncos should be sold, but this like vague like uh, we continue to see no other way than a transition of ownership. It was like the worst way to make it what should have been a massive statement. You could,
1: yeah, it was weak. <laughs> it was it was very weak, and and because I, they they didn't release that just to uh, just to get their name out there, they released it to put um, uh, an idea out there. And no one really exactly knows what that is. And, and so to me, that's why I just, I say it's status quo because it said nothing of itself. We knew Beth Boland didn't want the, the ownership to stay with the trust. I mean, come on. And of course she doesn't want that. So we knew that. And so this really doesn't get us anywhere except just a lot of speculation that is, I think, going to go nowhere.
2: Well, they still have, of course, the lawsuit that that is uh, in the in the courts and will be heard on July twelfth, and of course that comes from uh, Beth Boland and Amy Klemer. Those are the you know Beth's kind of the point person on this, but those are of course the uh, the two children of of Pat Boland with his first marriage with Sally Parker. So you know there's always been that kind of, that that kind of gap, and I think you know what I the way I read the statement we're all kind of reading the tea leaves is that if you know if it goes if it goes through the courts and it ends up that beth is is put in day-to-day control that's great but it but kind of reading between the lines here i still see it as just that okay if it's not going to go this way what i would prefer is that it gets sold that we but that we put an end to what exists right now and that there are two possible outcomes either we win in the courts which everything i've gathered seems to be unlikely Uh, given given what's been brought up or the team, the team needs to be transferred because the other thing that's looming over this is Joel is saying last December that all the Bowling children had to agree on Brittany as the managing partner. Otherwise there would be a sale. Yeah, Yeah. that ain't
1: happening.
0: It's not happening. And, and I don't know if you guys can tell from my tone, uh, but I'm pretty sick of this whole situation. Um, you know, the Broncos as a football team are already embarrassing enough. Um, The last thing anyone needs is this, 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 you know, I don't even know what to call it, but it's just, you know, a, a, like I said, it's a battle for the best seat at the table on Thanksgiving. It's just silly. Uh, And, and I get why, like, I absolutely get why Brittany Bolin is not just like conceding, like, she wants to uphold her father's legacy. She wants to be the owner of the Denver Broncos, who wouldn't want to be the owner of the Denver Broncos if they were this close to it. Um, but the the whole thing is just silly. Uh, and wow, I do think – you know, I said this on Twitter yesterday. I do think Brittany uh, could be a good owner. And I think it would be great for the NFL to have a young woman in a position of power like this. Um, I'm just – I'm one just – sick and tired of this whole situation i don't like even if britney becomes the owner i don't just think that like beth bull and wallace is just going to fade into the shadows like she's still going to be making a stir and whatnot and and the biggest point here as we kind of transition this conversation to me is that billionaire having a mega billionaire owner has never been more valuable and not only is that a, an advantage it's also a massive disadvantage to not have all that cash on hand. Uh, and regardless of what anyone in the Bullens uh, running the team, they're not going to have that kind of, you know, Mark Cuban type money uh, or, you know, Steve Ballmer type money or any of these teams who can just kind of do whatever they want. The Hunt family, you know, th- like they're making also you know, Broncos fans are pulling their hair out. Because the Chiefs can do whatever they want. Like, not only do they give out all these contracts and they turn around and extend Andy Reid and everyone's just like, where's all this money coming from? Well, it's coming from the Hunts. Uh, And they have a ton, a ton of money. So, to me, I'm just like, all of these things are adding up. Stop wasting our time. Stop, you know, again, to me, embarrassing the Broncos. uh, And just get this thing sold. You
2: know what? They're fortunate they're in the NFL rather than some of the other sports. Because the NFL, A, you've got the revenue strings, which with the exception of this year when you lose the in-person revenue because of the pandemic, are very robust. And B, in the NFL, at least you have the salary capping. You have a a mechanism that at least puts a lid on what those supremely cash-wealthy Owners can do. I mean, they're you know every, now all the owners are, are rich, but uh, it's like Chris Rock once described the dif- difference between rich and wealthy. Well, I mean, wealthy is the Hunt family in in Kansas in Kansas City, for example, and um, and that's where you know, we talk about escrow drink putting you know being able to have that sort of guarantee. Now, it's not one thing that has always been clear of the Broncos under Bolin ownership is that they would spend as much as they could. And then sometimes more than that to, to win. And I mean, that's the one thing, that's the one thing that differentiated Pat Bowen as an owner from other owners of his ilk. I mean, they're, you know, he's not the only uh, lawyer who eventually put together enough money to own an NFL team. But, you know, there were at one point, there was him in Denver and there was Hugh Colrouse in Tampa Bay and they were both had very similar backgrounds in uh, in law, real estate, etc. And <clears throat> Culverhouse was cheap, and Pat Bowlen spent every last dime. And I was envious. And I was envious of Pat Bowen. And I think if the Bowens are in control, there will always be that commitment. I don't think that's going to change. I think that's that's part of Pat's, Pat Pat legacy. But the other thing that comes into play, you know, you mentioned, you know, if Beth Bowlen is there, if Brittany Bowlen is running is running things, and Beth Boland doesn't always agree. I mean, do we set ourselves up for a situation where if Brittany is in control, that you have some of these other Bolands who, if they're not happy with the direction of the organization, are saying, well, okay, we should do this, we should do that. It just gets to be a chaotic situation. If they're not one for all, all for one, then unfortunately for Brittany, who I think would do a terrific job as the managing owner, then a sale is probably the best course of action.
1: Yeah, and yeah. it's it's very clear that, that a sale is the best course of action uh, right now for some reason. I mean, just earlier this week, guys, in our comment section, we had someone uh, suggest that there should be a salary cap on how much you can pay coaches because, you know – is it unfair for some teams? No, it, you wouldn't be saying that, and, and we wouldn't be getting those questions if if the Broncos had no issues with cash and everything, and and we wouldn't be saying, well, now can the Broncos sign Justin Simmons to a big contract after just paying Garrett Bowles? Is that possible? Well, they can do it with the cap, yeah, but is it possible with the escrow? There's another morning drink for you guys. Uh, we we don't know if if they have that possibility. Whereas if you just bring in a billionaire owner then none of those questions interfere with what's going on on the football field. And that's why the best thing that Joe Ellis can do now is as quickly as possible, which I don't expect it to be quick, but as quickly as he can find the best owner for, for the Broncos, try to vet the next owner well enough where that, that we're, we're talking about a Pat Boland situation where that person is going to put the team first, not his bank account. And that would be the best thing that he could do to move forward.
0: Ah, uh, yes, uh, and I'm sure Joe Ellis, who is making two different salaries based on his current position, is going to be in quite the rush uh, to get this issue settled and get this team sold. Like, this whole thing, I hate to say it because Pat and is uh, – one of the best the, the best owner in denver sports history and one of the best owners in, in nfl history this is the worst thing he ever did uh was setting up the trust to try and figure out who is you know who should be the next owner you know he was well-intentioned i'm sure um but heck you know uh beth Bowen wallace might have a case uh about how he wasn't you know, in the right capacity to, to set up this trust because this trust is set up extremely poorly. Uh, and there is no motivation at all for Joe Ellis to – and the rest of the trust, who is also making six-figure salaries just for being the trust, there's no motivation for them to work quickly. In fact, the perfect scenario for them is to say, yeah, Brittany's the one, but she's too young, so we're going to wait until she's 45.
1: Yeah, well, and, and on top of that, there's no rush – Coming from uh, Annabelle Bolin, of course, the uh, the wife of Pat Bolin, from a, her attorney last night, Hugh Gottschalk. I believe I got that right. He said, Miss Wallace does not represent my client's views or the views of the majority of the beneficiaries. Moreover, Miss Wallace has filed a lawsuit that alleges that Mr. Bolin lacked the capacity to execute the estate planning documents that appointed the trustees and that the trustees, therefore, have no authority. Although we strongly disagree with these allegations and believe the estate plan will be upheld at the trial, scheduled for July of 2021. Any efforts to even consider selling the team before the trustee's authority is confirmed is unwise and impractical and would be contrary to Pat Boland's wishes to have the Boland family continue to own the Broncos if one of his children develops the ability to take over the role of controlling owner. So there... We find out that, uh, you know, coming from Annabelle's side, that the best thing is to let this trial play out. And I, I don't remember if it was Mike Cliss or someone yesterday put out uh, uh, a statement, or maybe it was Ryan O'Halloran that said uh, they they talked to someone and they don't think that this is going to be settled out of court. It's going to go to trial, which means we're in this for you know almost another year, and that's before you know anything's resolved in the courts.
2: And how do you think Roger Goodell feels about that, watching things from New York right now? And uh, I mean, for all that has happened this week, I mean, with the Broncos being being disciplined, you wonder if all this—the fact that you have the ownership of one of the 32 teams being dragged into the courtroom—you wonder if this, in some, some small way, didn't affect the thinking over at 345 Park because. When you have this sort of squabble with one of your franchises, unfortunately, the Broncos right now, because they don't have this thing figured out, they're a problem child.
0: Yeah, they are. And, you know, after screwing the Broncos over last week, maybe Roger Goodell can do us all a favor and step in and say, you know what? I'm sick of this. Sell the team. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, boy, it, just the bummer is it just keeps dragging out, guys, and I don't really see an end right now.
0: I don't either, and, and like I said, you know, I'm not, like, we're not talking about, like, oh, it could end in a year. Like, it, like I said, I don't understand, you know, Joe Ellis actually has the hardest job of anyone on the trust because he actually works for the Denver Broncos and has to, you know, do stuff. Uh, as part of his role, the the rest of the trust literally doesn't have to do anything except for just talk about this once in a while. Like, do they even like? What do they have a monthly Zoom call where they just come in? And they're like, "Hey, is uh, Brittany ready yet?" Uh, no. All right, cool. I'll talk to you guys later. Like, their job—they're jo- they're making six figures for doing absolutely nothing. Um, so I just don't understand how this would come to an end anytime soon unless someone like Roger Goodell steps in. Uh, if not. It's just going to be waiting game, lawsuit, waiting game, lawsuit, waiting game, lawsuit, until finally, you know, uh, there's there's they they feel like Brittany is ready to go, which that could be one year, two years, five years, ten years. There's no, like, rule on this. Pat Bowen didn't set a deadline.
1: Yeah, and then even when that happens, you're going to have Beth... Uh, and, and the other side of the family say that that's not what they want. And according to Joe Ellis, they all have to be on the same page. So really, I I just don't see a path to where Brittany becomes the owner. Unfortunately, because I agree with you guys, that that would be awesome if the money was there to have Brittany lead the team.
2: Yeah, yeah it's all yeah, it's all about just it, putting that in there. I mean, if Joe Ellis did not put that out last December about all the siblings having to agree, I think there'd be a clear path if it was just, okay, a a majority and then they go along with it. But if they've all got to agree, when you have literally a case that is uh, pending, um, being heard in Arapahoe Court next year, I I think getting them all to agree is just, it's a bridge too far right now.
0: Yeah, I kind of think what Joe Ellis was doing was like that old game show where there was a bunch of people sitting in a room and they had to like, come up with a way to evenly split one million dollars but the only or to split one million dollars but I think the only caveat was there they couldn't split it evenly so they had to like come up with who gets the most and and all that stuff and I feel like Joel was just saying like it was like a little it was like a half threat like guys better figure it out or the team's gonna be sold and I just I don't think that uh that that strategy exactly worked um a couple things Something, some things that I've seen in my mentions um, that I don't really have time to respond to all of them. One, some, one, a uh, couple things I've seen is like, <clears throat> um, like someone said, Brittany Bowen is worth half a billion dollars, which I don't know where they got that number, but like, is that chump change <laughs> now? Yes, it is. <laughs> it really is. When
1: what? What are the Broncos going to be sold for potentially? Three billion. Yeah. They'd like three billion
2: dollars, but the, the thing is you talk about the net worth of each of the bowling children when they you know, inherit their their share of the team. It's all tied up in the Broncos well so that that's the key thing when you talk about their net worth it's entirely tied up in the team. It's not like uh, we're talking about some of these other billionaires whose net worth is from you know running a hedge fund or running a steel, running a steel company or uh, um, you know, running an online retailer or whatever. I mean, it's all in one, it's, it's all in one place. And that's the football team.
0: Yeah. Uh, the other thing I saw was like, uh, someone said of the 10 richest owners in the NFL, only three of them uh, are in the current playoff picture. Again, I didn't do any background on this. I'm just taking them at their word for that. Just because you have money doesn't mean you spend it well. Uh, just <laughs> right. to the Colorado Rockies, you know, who have the eighth highest payroll uh, in, in baseball last year. And we're still garbage. So it's an advantage. It doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to be good all of a sudden, but you know, just look at the Kansas city chiefs as the perfect example of a team who just, you know, there's, there was this old narrative of, Oh, once you win a super bowl, there's a massive exodus because you can't afford to keep all the guys. Well, the chiefs were just like, Oh yeah, we can. And we will. And they did.
2: Well, yeah. And the other thing is just because you have money, you know, you mentioned Dick Monfort and the Rockies, it's about spending it wisely. And it's also about letting your, employees do their jobs i mean for example in the in washington you had a situation where the team uh, was sold to daniel snyder in the late 1990s after jack kent cook an owner who was beloved by washington fans as pat bowen was by denver fans and another owner who did whatever it took to win um because you know there was an you know he he passed away Turned out in his will, instead of passing the team to his son, uh, it was to be put, the team was to be put up to sale to fund uh, scholarships, and then all of a sudden you got Daniel Snyder who had money and had resources, but as we've seen, can spend it poorly. So, you know, just because the team is sold doesn't mean it's a, a cure all. If you get the wrong person in there, uh, it it's it's a it's a disaster. I mean, so either you know either direction here or any of the directions has some risk. What's the least risk option right now for the Broncos?
0: Yeah. And, and obviously that's just going to, you know uh, I believe his name is like Robert Smith is one of the names who has been brought up, who is a Denver based billionaire. Um, Obviously, you know, the one that everyone wants would be like a group put together by Peyton Manning. Now those are always a little more complicated. Uh, I know the NFL would just prefer one, Mm -hmm. you know, one big billionaire owning the team. Uh, But like, no one can argue that the more money you have, the the better chance you have of putting a, a good football team out there.
1: No, just like, uh, you know, money doesn't create happiness. Well, it, it really helps, you know. It, it really helps.
0: Right, exactly. Um, and, and then the last one that I saw a lot of people saying is, well, what makes you think Brittany Bolin is qualified or, or could do a good job? And, you know, just like um, – drafting a quarterback or getting a head coach. You never know until they're actually in the position, but you just have to base it off of what, you know, what you've seen, what, you know, one thing I'll say is that obviously uh, Brittany Bowen is extremely well educated from a business standpoint and just a a regular standpoint. Um, She is very interested in following the blueprint set out by her dad about how to successfully own a team, which I think is a big advantage. Uh, And to me, Honestly, one of the most important things uh, about an owner being successful, and it's the number one, in my opinion, the number one reason why everyone loves Pat Bolin, you know, pretty much um, across the board is how they treat people. Uh, And everything I've heard from people who have worked with Brittany at the Broncos and at other places Uh, just rave about the way that she treats people, the way that she works with people, the way that she interacts with people. Uh, And again, you know, it comes down to winning football games. So you could be a really nice person and and put a bad product out there and no one's going to, you know, uh, celebrate you for it. But I think if they were able to get the product side of things taken care of, which is the part I'm most worried about because of the money, uh, then, you know, Brittany would go down uh, as a great owner because she would be liked by everyone Uh, And again, I think she has all the necessary skills. To me, being an NFL owner isn't rocket science. Uh, It's just you know, it's putting the right people in positions to succeed, letting them do their jobs, empowering them to do their jobs with money, uh, and and you know, and then treating people well, creating a great work environment for people who are involved with the Denver Broncos. So, I feel like a lot of people think being an owner is some Really hard job. Like, I think being a general manager is a harder job than being an owner. That's just my uh, opinion, uh, at least when it comes to putting a successful product on the field. So uh, I think Brittany is, is more than qualified uh, from just about every aspect than just liquid cash.
1: Yeah. And I think a big thing is she would take, take on what, what her father stood for. And that's what, you know, everyone loved in Denver. What was what Pat stood for? And, and I think that's exactly what Brittany would do.
0: Yeah. Some, uh, someone in my mention said that she's not qualified to run any business, uh, which I feel like maybe is showing, uh, some other sort of bias. Um, but anyways, and that was a media person. Um, Anyways, we just hope that this thing gets settled because, like I said, the Broncos already play enough bad football for, for all the bad press they get. We we don't need, you know, this, this you know, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what whether to call it a measuring contest uh, or <laughs> because it doesn't really apply here, but you know what I'm saying.
2: It's two dogs fighting over a shoe toy. Like I – it's like watching my puppies, uh, you know, play tug of war with a, you know, with one of their little stuffed animals that they like. That's, that's what this is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, uh, I really like uh, sitting at the head of the table at Thanksgiving. Thankfully uh, there's two heads at the table and there's usually not a fight over it, but if there was a fight over it, that's what this would be. Anyways. uh <laughs> If you need a drink after all this talk, Breckenridge Brewery is the place for you. Uh, an ice cold beer actually really helps uh, you know, get you through uh a ridiculous ownership situation for your favorite football team. Uh and I might recommend the new juice drop IPA. Uh it has all the vibrance of an IPA, but it's really uh I think I think the way that they described it is like i don't want to mess this up but i think it was like mouth soft meaning it doesn't like like make your eyes pop when it when you take a sip of it uh because it's it's got some juice notes in there it's it's a hazy ipa so it's a little more smooth uh and that's what i really love about breck beers is whatever they do it usually comes out really smooth there's some out there you know you get an ipa and you're like i feel like i'm drinking some sort of like chemical fluid here they certainly uh do not do that at breckenridge brewery everything's smooth you get that beer taste along with those hops that you like if you're an ipa person so uh, give it a try juice drop ipa you can check your uh the breck brew locator to find out where you can get it near you
1: yeah and let's just be real guys breckenridge brewery is just damn good beer and if you want damn good coverage of everything United States rugby. Well, we've got that over at the DNVR.com. Also on Twitter at DNVR Rugby and anywhere you find podcasts. Check them out at DNVR Rugby. Our reporter, Colton Strickler, is doing a great job keeping you up to date on all things American rugby, not just Colorado rugby, because Infinity Park in Glendale is now the new official training center for men's and women's USA Eagles 15 teams. That means Colorado is the place for rugby in the United States in the DNVR.com has you covered with everything you need to know. Our reporter, Colin Strictly, does a great job not only keeping you up to date but also breaking down the game for you. So make sure to check us out at com for our rugby coverage. Also on Twitter and anywhere you find podcasts at DNVR Rugby.
0: All right, let's move on here to the questions from the listeners. Uh, and why don't you guys get us started? All right, let's
2: let's let's start with Broncos Only then, And who says, I just saw Drew Locke's response to criticism by Coach Fangio. That's my quarterback. He leads the league in saying the right things, tossing a few touchdowns now and then, and he's a keeper. Heaps of praise for you guys, Broncos only.
1: Yeah, and that's a that's one of the reasons I love Drew coming out of college and really loved him last year, really loved him this offseason, was because he has the intangibles. Uh, he has every intangible that you could want. Now it's just about, you know, like you said, get, getting those touchdowns uh, corrected. Uh, because we, we've seen it we've seen it in spurts we saw it in five games last year where where he was really good we've seen it in flashes this year but obviously the consistency needs to be there
0: yeah he handled everything really well all the way from taking responsibility uh, for you know what went down to talking about how he felt about his mom coming to his <laughs> defense on twitter I thought it was so silly that people tried to turn that into a criticism of drew Locke that his mom defended him on Twitter. Like I, I just, you have to be out to get him to try and make that a drew Locke thing. Like uh, if, in my opinion, if you're living right, uh, the people who love you will come to your defense when your character is called, called into question. So yeah, like, am I going to tell my mom to do that? I would prefer she didn't, but it's not a it, you can't make that a criticism of Drew Locke that his mom came you know wanted to defend him when people were saying he's a bad leader because you know they took their masks down for a few minutes.
1: Yeah, no, I, I imagine that uh, that Drew probably would have wished that she didn't say anything, but I thought he handled that
0: perfect as well. Yep, didn't get on mom's bad side, uh, <laughs> and didn't look like you know like the person that people thought he was when his mom came to his defense. <laughs>
2: yeah, you know what. Completing that pass might uh, mean a completion of the tightest window he's had to face
0: yeah I mean he was put in a tough position I think yes. he could, he could have added like like i don't need my like I didn't need my mom to do that, but you know what she's my mom, so
1: right you know,
0: she's gonna yeah. do it
1: next one from mr undrafted so with all of these talk about drew having to show numbers and touchdowns completions no picks to be the starter next year or get a contract extension why do the broncos not reward philip Lindsay with the contract extension does he not have back does he not have back to back 1000 yard seasons does he not give 100 every play i feel the double standard on players not just these two is why the broncos seem to be failing and keeping up with the rest of the league
0: well, I don't think the Broncos themselves are saying that Drew Locke has to achieve certain stats to be, you know, to stay around. We're just trying to paint the picture of what type of stats would look like the quarterback that the Broncos want to keep around. Um, with that being said, I'm with you. I mean, there's absolutely no reason the Broncos shouldn't want to keep Philip Lindsay around, uh, and and I don't, I don't know. I, I'm torn on whether I think that's that's a false narrative of people who are just nervous that Philip Lindsay will be around. Uh, And some of the evidence that suggests, you know, the Broncos aren't as high on Philip Lindsay as the fan base. So I'm not sure exactly where I fall on that. Um, The one thing that I know is that Philip Lindsay will be back next year, which is one thing that a lot of people are really worried about. Uh, I see it on Twitter almost every day. Like, well, he's gone next year. It's like, well, the Broncos can still have, you know, a Pro Bowl running back for very cheap. I think they're going to take that option.
1: Yeah,
2: Yeah, but but at the same time, what – yeah, what if they choose not to give him the second round tender? I mean, I don't think they will, but what if they decide to give him the original round tender?
0: Well, CFO. I mean, then uh, the, the riots will be warranted.
1: Yeah, if, if they don't give him a second round tender, that would be crazy.
0: It's so cheap. It's yeah. so cheap. Uh, I don't know if he,
1: you
2: can't call the Broncos cheap. I mean, they just they just gave forty million guaranteed to Garrett Bowles. No,
0: what I'm saying is the contract that they would have to give <laughs> Philip Lindsay with a second round tender is yeah. so cheap. Yeah, like uh, yeah, eight three and speaking, a half
1: million. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's not that's chump change. Uh, from Shat Permer, gentlemen, it's time for Drew to stop talking the talk and start walking the walk. I'm telling John and Vic that the masterful game plans I am implementing. In the next five weeks, Drew needs to throw at least two touchdowns a game with no picks. If he fails to do this, I'm inserting Slyle Kyle at QB for 2021. We're going to release Phil and give Melvin a big bonus. Behind Kyle and Melvin running the offense, we can't lose. I'll just keep shirmering along until I die. I am Shat. This is the way. (laughs) Oh, boy. Wow.
1: (laughs) Now the Broncos have five quarterbacks, guys. I wonder if – they're really going to keep Kyle Schirmer around because as Vic Fangio said yesterday, uh, they just brought him in and signed him just in case the other quarterbacks didn't pass their COVID test. And it was probably a smart move to do initially, but guys, they all passed their COVID test. They're all back. So is Kyle going to be signed for like a day and then released?
0: What's the worst look, your mom coming to defend you on Twitter (laughs) or your dad getting you a job at his company? (laughs)
2: I think the worst look of all is your dad getting you a job and then, then they fire you or otherwise cut you from that job. <laughs>
0: like you just you quick little paycheck to uh to stop having to ask for money and, and yeah. Like, you're gone.
2: Here, like here you go. Have a nice Christmas, son.
0: <laughs> yeah, I honestly don't. <laughs> I, I'm I'm trying really hard to not take out take anything out on kyle Shermer because i just don't know him and he's probably a really nice guy like i'll just give him the benefit of the doubt on that uh, but what the broncos don't need five quarterbacks and there's a very like obvious connection as to why he would be here for the, the reasons that couldn't be football reasons uh unless they're saying like we need four quarterbacks at practice for some reason and since we're isolating blake bortles then we Maybe. need to bring someone in to fill him. But I would say you need three or three quarterbacks at practice at most. Uh, four is overkill. There's not even gonna be enough reps out there for these guys. Yeah. And
2: the other thing is with with Kyle Shermer, he's if we if he didn't have that last name and that familial connection, he's perfectly qualified for what the Broncos are signing him for. I mean, Absolutely. This isn't a case of you know bringing in some guy who you know doesn't have the qualifications, but happens to be Pat Shermer's son. I mean, you know he, hey Kyle Shermer even has a Super Bowl ring. Now, yes. I mean he got it uh, uh, deep on the practice squad of the Chiefs, but still, he has a Super Bowl ring. He hung. On, yeah. He's been on practice squads before. He knows, you know, he knows the drill.
0: He does. And I also, you know, my dad has helped me get a job in my lifetime, so uh, I can't I can't throw uh a- I can't I, – I'm only kidding when I say that. But, yeah. uh, you know, connections are one of the biggest parts of, of getting a job in any field. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And in this case, I think Kyle Kyle Shermer's connections helped him get a job, especially because I don't think the Broncos need need to fill this position.
1: Right. No, I, I, I don't either. You guys, speaking of this position, what do you think of the Broncos not having a quarantine quarterback – But having a limited exposure, Blake Bortles, on a day-to-day basis.
0: Oh, guys, this one uh, (laughs) bugged me a little bit yesterday because it follows a a Vic Fangio pattern. He'll never fully admit that he was wrong about something, and that's exactly what this is. This is – if you you say now, okay, well, now we're going to fully quarantine a quarterback so that this doesn't happen again, you're admitting that you were wrong the first time. And whether Vic Fangio thinks that he's doing it or not, he still is admitting that he was wrong the first time, but it's just, it's a classic thing that I've seen from this, uh, from this, you know, regime before, which is, oh, yeah, it's, it's not exactly that thing that all the media were saying we should have done. It's just a, it's a slightly different thing that we came up with, not you guys.
1: Yeah, I'm just nodding my head the whole time there, Ryan, because I, 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 I agree with you. And the thing with a quarantine quarterback is it can't really be a day-by-day thing, you know, because what if Lake happens to be there and, and in there on a day when something goes wrong? Well, then he's going to be pulled too. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. So I, I find it interesting. Uh, and just the way Vic talked about it yesterday, you know, they're, they're taking a step in the right direction, but I just don't have confidence that it's going to last very long. And the last Blake Bortles on your practice squad. Hey, Yes. He doesn't need to practice. Don't have him in the building. Send him food from Grubhub. If he needs to do that, I don't care, but uh, it just, this midway thing doesn't make sense.
2: Yeah, I get it. But at the same time, I mean, he's coming in for the testing. He's coming in for food. He's going home. So is he actually around the quarterbacks? I mean, I think this is, you know, I, I get where you're coming from, Zach, but it seems like this is like 99% of what you're trying to get to. No, here miss, in terms miss, of keeping I, him from the, room, the QB room.
1: No, and, and I think on a day-to-day, just by doing that, I think is fine. Uh, and pretty much a quarantine quarterback. I, I don't have an issue with that. But the fact that Vic said, you know, we're taking this day by day, just doesn't seem like a full commitment to it. I mean, let's just say they bring him in next Monday, and then they decide the rest of the week they're not going to. And I don't know. Maybe I'm taking day by day what Vic said wrong, uh, and and that's on me. But I just just don't know. Is he quarantined
0: or is he not? Also, like, just if you're going 99% of the way, go 100% of the way. Like, he's only coming in for testing. That's it, because you you have to keep testing negative, so you could be available on Sunday if something were to happen, and you needed it. But like, why, like, why, why even say like and some food? Like, can't you just like, can't you have someone just bring food out to his car or like something like? And maybe that's what it is, but just the the framing of it. Honestly, I don't I don't have an issue with anything other than the fact that they tried to act like it was something different uh, than what everyone was saying. They were dumb for not doing in the first place.
1: Also, the fact that that you know he's he's getting food there is totally great. That that's awesome. But it's just hilarious to me that like an NFL player has to go somewhere to get food.
2: Hey, man, those <laughs> meals are good.
1: Oh yeah, Dove they Valley. are. I bet. Yeah, yeah the, the, the the the
2: cafe, the Cafe Bolin, the Cafe Dove Valley. Man, that is a that is a rocking establishment right there.
0: Oh man, I'm when joking. they feed us for
1: the draft, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah it is. All right, uh, from Bangkok Bronco. Hey, gents, I'm sure this will be mentioned already. It actually hasn't. But I wanted to express my happiness that we have Will Parks back. May only end up being a short-term thing, but I loved watching him back there for us these last few years. One of my favorite players for sure. BB out. I'm with you, Bangkok Bronco. And, and uh, this was a, a, you know some, some much-needed good news and uh, in, in happy news uh, in Bronco's country. And that just leads me to a question. I, You know, again, I am of the belief that Will Parks should be here and deserves to be here. Is there any part of you guys that thinks that this was like a little bit of a PR move for the Broncos? Uh, Everyone on Twitter when he was released is saying, bring back Will, bring back Will, bring back Will. Part of me wonders if they were just like, well, let's at least put a claim in on him. And if we don't end up with him, we could say we tried to claim him and then the fans aren't upset and they say like, well, okay, they tried to bring our guy back. And if he does come back, it'll give everyone a reason to be happy for the first time in a few weeks.
2: Yeah, but there's a functional use to Will Parks here, though. And that's what Remember, I'm saying. Like, I'm yeah, up to belief exactly. that,
0: yeah. that it's a good move. I just want to yeah. know if there's any part of you that believes there's a, some PR involved.
2: Maybe slightly, but I, I, I think it's legitimately bringing him back in because you're losing Bryce Callahan. You may shuffle some things around in some of those sub packages, and Will knows the drill.
0: Yep, I agree with that. Zach, what do you think?
1: I think the PR move doesn't doesn't hurt at all with this because Will's a great guy, great in the community, and then also just so loved by, by the fans. I mean, at four and seven, you think you would think the Broncos were seven and four and they just brought in, you know, a Pro Bowl type of player, the, the way the fans reacted to him. But I don't necessarily think the reason they did this was because of the short-term move. I think they did this because now he's in the building uh, and it'll be easier to re-sign him after this season so I actually think this move of claiming him is bigger than, than just this season and that's what gets me excited because we've seen how valuable of an asset Will can be uh, in, in a secondary and I think that that the, I think he's going to sign another contract with the Broncos and I think this is a big reason why Wow, they
2: need him on special teams too that's enough that's another part to this that uh, I think goes under the radar here is you know that there's been so there's been so much instability on special teams and some in the protection and covers units that he can only help bring that unit to get those guys together
0: yeah um I hope I hope you're right Zach because again I don't th- like even if I think there is some PR at play here I think that this move makes a lot of sense from a football standpoint so I'm I'm happy that it happened from a football standpoint. And I think Will deserves the opportunity from a football standpoint. I do think that, you know, someone somewhere might've said, Hey, this'll, you know, this'll be a good thing for the fans too. So it might be worth considering if you're not, if you are are on the fence about this. Um, the other thing that I really like about having Will Parks is something that I loved that the Broncos uh, did a lot under Wade Phillips uh, and have done less so under Vic Fangio is bringing in a third safety in the box as kind of a nickel linebacker. I could be wrong. I don't remember seeing that much this year, if at all. Um, and he's definitely a good option to kind of come in and be, you know, be a, uh, a coverage linebacker uh, if you need him to do that on third downs.
1: Yeah, and you're going to need a little more versatility in the secondary not having Bryce Callahan for the next three games into me, guys. With only five games left, I would think Bryce will be done for the season as he's going on IR.
0: I I think that would make sense uh, unless somehow the Broncos rattle off three straight here and are back in the mix, uh, you know, come when he should be healthy. Kind of like, you know, what happened with Chris Harris Jr. Was that last year or two years ago? Two years ago. right Right? he got hurt and they put him on ir and he said like or they didn't put him on ir yet and then they were eliminated from the playoffs then they put him on ir and he told us i could have played uh if they needed me yep exactly exactly so very happy to have will back
1: next one from johnny g greetings gang first off i'm so glad we brought back will parks he was missed on that defense and i hope we keep him for the long term I wonder what number he will take since it's saying Bassie has the number he was wearing when he was with the Broncos. Great question. My next question is about the Beth Boland-Wallace statement. It seems to, to thoroughly or it seems to through my reading that she is advocating for the sale of the team, which I hope the trust takes to heart. If the Broncos are to be sold, what type of owner would be best for the Broncos? An ownership group such as the one Peyton was involved with, in, uh, or people who know with people who know football, or a business tycoon who is flush with cash, or option three that I haven't thought of. Stay safe and stay healthy, Johnny G.
2: You sort of want column A and column B, and the uh, the thing with the group that. Uh, uh, was going for the Panthers that uh, uh, was starting to work with uh, Peyton Manning and to uh, want to be part of their group. Uh, ben Navarro, the head of that, based out in Charleston, South Carolina, he's worth three billion dollars. Yeah. So they, they they weren't lacking for cash in any way, shape, or form.
0: So you think that the Peyton Manning, you know, group, whatever, whatever that ends up being, well, there's no concern. There will be no concerns about cash.
2: I don't think so, and I think what was interesting is if the Broncos are put for up for sale, of course David Tepper did buy the Panthers, but you had that group, you had a couple of other groups that had been vetted by the NFL, so you wonder if maybe you'll see any of them in the mix for the Broncos if they are put for sale, and uh, it seems like uh, what was developing between Ben Navarro and Peyton Manning, that could be something that uh, ends up being an option if the Broncos do go on
0: the market. Is there a, a case, you know, a, a, the name uh, that I brought up earlier, Robert Smith, I hope I'm getting that right. Am I getting that right?
2: You are. Uh, you are.
0: Okay. Just making sure. Um, it's it's like such a simple name that you wonder if you're just like, it's not a real name. Um, is there an opportunity where he could bring back, um, bring in Peyton Manning in some way or another, just as like a PR move, even if it doesn't end up going to a Peyton Manning group. Like, could he bring in Peyton Manning as president of football? Operate? Like, would Peyton do that? Or is Peyton only interested in ownership? And maybe the, this person could say, like, oh, yeah, and then I'm going to let Peyton buy 10% of the team or something like that.
2: In theory, that would work. I mean, the thing that uh, uh, is going on with Robert Smith that is that is interesting is actually – he just recently had to make a settlement uh, uh, with the, with the IRS uh, over some tax Uh-oh. evasion. He's not going to be prosecuted. He did have a settlement. He that he has to pay 140 million dollars to avoid indictment for uh, for tax evasion.
0: Yeah, that sounds. I feel like like every billionaire has dealt with this at one point or another. Yeah. <laughs> that's just something so, that, oh yeah. no
1: it's usual that, that 140 million dollar uh, settlement that's fine no no Pass yeah, doing
0: business. <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, 140
2: million yeah it's 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 let me let me go reach into the cushions of my couch and i'll just scarf that up for you and we'll be good
1: <laughs> you know you know what that's uh that's not a good pr look but just cover it up by bringing peyton manning in and there you go
0: exactly <laughs> exactly uh and that that's what i mean i just yeah i wonder if there's a, a way to do that just where, oh peyton is going to be uh you know the the he's going to be a 10 percent owner or i don't know I, I know i don't know if peyton has enough money to even do that but a five percent owner and he's going to be the you know the figurehead of the organization
2: if you want to win the pr battle at the start that's what
0: you do yeah, especially that, because you uh, might be firing John Elway. <laughs> yeah,
2: if a group, if the Broncos are put for sale, and a group with Peyton Manning buys the team, buys the team, and Peyton is the day-to-day uh, figurehead of the organ, more than a figurehead, if he's running the organization on a day-to-day basis, at least the football side of it, then that ownership is going to get the benefit of fan respect, and all- more importantly, fan patience.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Uh, one thing that has my respect is Strava craft coffee. Uh, it's rich CBD infused coffee that you can purchase in K cups for your Keurig. You can get a whole bean or ground and you can get it for 20% off when you use the code DNVR 20 at checkout. Of course, It's CBD infused, so you got to try it to find out what it can do for you. There's so many different benefits of using CBD daily. And what better way to just have it in your coffee? You don't have to think about taking a pill or whatever else. You just brew up your coffee in the morning uh, and you get that nice dose of CBD. You can choose how big of a dose you want. Uh, They have different levels of that. Uh, And if you don't want CBD in your coffee, they also just have good old rich, tasty coffee. So check them out and use code DNVR20 at checkout to save 20%.
1: Guys, we've got one verse two this Saturday morning at 11 a.m. to get you primed for a fun Sunday football. We've got Gonzaga and Baylor going head-to-head in a big-time college basketball game this weekend. And there's no better place to get in on the action the DraftKings Sportsbook, which is America's top-rated sportsbook app. And DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all college basketball fans who sign up now the chance to win $100 when betting on this 1-2 matchup of Gonzaga and Baylor. Plus, you'll get a deposit bonus up to $1,000 when signing up using that promo code DNVR. DraftKings has so many ways for you to bet, from live betting, I'm a big fan of, betting on your favorite players they have it all at Draftkings sportsbook and it's safe secure reliable making it easy for you to deposit and will draw your money at your convenience so get in on so much action this weekend guys starting tonight so go to the draft go to the app store now download the top rated Draftkings sportsbook app now and use promo code DnVR when you sign up for your shot to turn one dollar into $100 one betting on either Gonzaga or Baylor to win this weekend that's right one dollar to win $100 use that promo code DNVR during sign up to take advantage of this great offer for a limited time only only at DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older Colorado only bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus deposit bonus requires 25 times play through restrictions apply see draftkings.com/sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 All
0: right let's move on here uh next question I lost my tab there it is next question comes in from Drew Lockerboy, who just says, Parks is back, baby. And, yeah, again, you know, uh, I'm happy for the fans that they've got something to be excited about. Uh, Justin Simmons, of course, excited about this. Vaughn Miller tweeted about it. He's excited. Will tweeted that he talked to Vaughn. And, you know, again, I think this is something that that uh, that, uh, plays well in the locker room, very obviously as well.
1: Yeah, and just a good shot in the arm for everyone. Staring at a 4-8 record right now, some good news is always welcome
0: when you can. There you go. From Hawkeye Bronco, happy Thursday on yesterday's Pot Onion Booty brought up the rock-bottom moments of the 21st century. It was sad to hear all the disappointing games and time periods be brought up so easily and almost endlessly. It made me think back to December of the 2008 season. Denver led the division at 8-4 and four, over second place San Diego at 4-8. and eight. Well, Denver lost three straight. San Diego won three straight and ended up setting up a winner-take-all Sunday night game in San Diego. We got smoked, and just like the Mike Shanahan, just like that, the Mike Shanahan era was over. Sad times indeed. Anyways, just my thoughts. Hopefully, there aren't too many more to add to the list. Go Broncos! Go to the NVR, and and because I'm honest, I'm an honest man, uh, I like to share you share with you guys my thoughts. I have to be honest in telling you that before we press record on this show. I told the guys that I think this weekend might be another one of those rock-bottom moments.
1: Uh, Yes, you did. And, Ryan, I have, unfortunately, no pushback uh, against that. It does not set up well. And my response was the last two times the Broncos have played in primetime against the Chiefs. Trevor Simeon threw three picks. And the time before that, uh, you had Don Terry Poe throwing a touchdown pass. Andy Reid likes to light it up in primetime. Uh, And it's crazy because I say that after this game, I think the Broncos are going to be four and eight guys. Could you imagine the Broncos somehow turning this around and making the playoffs? Obviously they they can't win the division because the chiefs already have 10 wins, but I mean, maybe I shouldn't be saying this, this season's over because of this example of the the 2008 season with the chargers.
0: Yeah. If only, uh, you know, the quarterbacks in the division right now were, well, let's see what it was. Jake Cutler, Philip Rivers, oh, God, who was Kansas City's quarterback? Was it Trent Green? Uh,
1: no,
2: Tyler Thigpen. Tyler
0: Thigpen. <laughs>
2: Tyler
0: Thigpen. And, oh, I don't know, Jason Campbell or something? Yeah.
2: And the funny thing is, I think our own uh, Brandon Spano in a text message to me a few days ago brought up the name Tyler Thigpen. Wow. Tyler
0: Thigpen. <laughs> he was uh, ex- athletic.
2: Yeah. Yeah, in the experience of watching uh, Kendall Hinton. And then who did the Raiders have then? Was that uh, – uh, that was Jamarcus Russell that year, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or as, as Al Davis you would say, Jamarcus. Jamarcus. So, so Phillip oh.
0: Rivers was uh, pretty obviously the best quarterback in the division at the time. Yeah. Uh, and
2: and the other thing, you look at the Chargers back then, and uh, they were sitting there at four and eight, but – there's still a team that had Philip Rivers, Antonio Gates, Ladanian Tomlinson, uh, Vincent Jackson, uh, Vincent Jackson at, at his peak. They had Eric Weddle on defense. They had uh, uh, Antonio Cromartie at cornerback. Sean Phillips still having a, still playing well. It was a talent. It was a talented team. Too talented to be sitting there at. 4 and 8. Actually they got the, the Broncos were a 7 and four, were a 7 and 5 and then got to 8 and 5 but then started the three games skid that basically ended the Mike Shanahan era.
0: Yeah. Um like I, I can't even think of a division in today's day and age where the quarterbacks are that like uh disappointing. <laughs> and also that's just evidence that the Chargers have been charging for ever. Like, how are you 4-8 with that roster in the first place?
2: Yeah, that's well, pathetic. Uh,
1: <laughs> what's
2: the NFC East right now, though? I mean, the NFC East is Andy Dalton, Carson Wentz. Uh, I mean, Daniel Jones just got hurt, uh, but he's been the guy. And uh, Alex Smith, so I think that's, on the whole, that's, that's probably about the same as what the, uh, N- the AFC West was 12 years ago.
0: Yeah, it's probably worse. Uh, but there's also like there's injuries there like dak probably fill fills the philip rivers role for them in that in that division uh carson is probably the jay cutler uh even though he's trending away yeah. like he would you would take jay cutler if you were an eagles fan right now um daniel jones then gives you the you know the um potential that you don't have in the rest of those AFC West quarterbacks that year although um, maybe people are still talking about Jamarcus Russell's potential
1: <laughs> oh man just brutal next one coming in from Casper fellas let me start by saying that this is a long comment so the TLDR is at the bottom all right let's just skip right to it since he gave us to it uh, TLDR when picking your starting quarterback draft high is nice but only if he fits your scheme how say
0: you Uh, Yeah, I mean, the thing is, if you're drafting a quarterback high, you should be looking at things the way that the Arizona Cardinals did, which is we are trying to get the perfect combination of quarterback and coach together. We want the scheme to fit perfectly. Um, And, you know, if you have a draft pick that high, you're probably in a position to let go of your coach. So in my opinion, you know, I would be – making calls and saying okay if I'm drafting Trevor Lawrence who is the perfect offensive coordinator to pair with him who is the perfect not you know offensive mind to pair with him maybe you decide it's Eric Bieniemy, or maybe you decide it's you know Lincoln Riley whatever you decide try to pair up that quarterback with the coach don't try to draft the quarterback that fits your scheme
1: yeah
0: yeah that's,
2: Arizona's perfect example uh, yep. right there I mean that's like just just Blowing, you know, and, and blowing out a quarterback that they picked in the first round the previous year because they knew sitting atop the draft that they had a better fit, that they could make everything function perfectly, function smoothly. Marriage of scheme and talent. I think more teams need to think in terms of these terms, marrying the, the talent of the quarterback to the scheme they're running.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah. And uh, it, is it a crazy idea to build your team around your quarterback? no it's not especially if it's a top pick so that's exactly what you do guys all right next one coming in from orange broncos uk mace i love you but yesterday you had me swearing on my way home from work i get lock has been far from perfect but when comparing his drop off from games one to six to seven and 13 there were a whole range of factors you never mentioned the quarterbacks on your trending down list did they have a new offensive coordinator did their offensive coordinator suck at game planning? Did they have no off season? Did they lose wide receiver one for the season? Did they have two new rookie receivers again with no offseason? Please cut Drew some slack this year. This season has been like no other ever.
2: Okay, I understand where you're coming from, but I get into this a little bit in the response I wrote down there. The problem is that if – if Drew's, let's say Drew's completion percentage dropped by, say, three or four percentage points, and his passer rating dropped by, say, 10 to 12, you could chalk that drop up to all those things you mentioned. But we are talking about literally, in passer rating, guys, we're talking about literally the biggest drop of any quarterback from his first six starts to his next seven starts over the last decade.
0: Wouldn't that though illuminate the that this is an outlier because of all of those factors combining together into one?
2: It would. No, I don't think so. I I think in this I think in this case you're looking at a scenario where. He would have. He would. He would have dropped anyway. What. What. That. What you're talking about is. It's the degree of the drop that maybe becomes extreme. But I think he would have. He would have fallen regardless of if you had a normal offseason. If you put these these other things into place. So. So. I mean, so I,
0: what? What factor do you believe plays the biggest role in in the regression?
2: I think that I. I think the biggest. I, I think the biggest role in the regression is the fact that they're trying to, that they were trying to make things, you know, more complex, throw some more concepts out there, have him read the entire field rather than rolling him out and kind of focus on a narrow range when he gets to one side or the other. And, and the other, and he struggled with that. And the other thing is that he has had some regression in terms of reverting to some bad habits, which I look, you know, the back foot throws, the off balance stuff, the accuracy issues, this is why he was a second-round pick, not a first-round pick.
0: Yeah, I think, though – I don't know. I think that you might have a case that he would have regressed some uh, regardless. But I think the fact that the regression is so clear and obvious tells me that this is an outlier in terms of uh, a, a factor of all the factors at play. Now, that, do, that doesn't matter uh, in, the, in the grand scheme of things because if Drew continues on this path, He's not going to be the starting quarterback next year, and it's not going to matter what uh, what reasons existed that caused that. But to me, you know, the fact that this this season is such an outlier goes along with the fact that all the things that happened in the off were an outlier as well. But,
2: but if left. you're falling to that degree, guys, guys, then then it's not simply on all these other factors. Some of it is on you,
0: for sure. But yeah. I just think that the that those factors played a big role in all of this happening. What yeah, sk- I think it's
2: just whether you believe it's an excuse or a reason. That's the thing. Well, I what's, think
1: uh, oh, sorry, Mace. What scares ahead, me – is so many young and especially rookie quarterbacks are having so much success this year and they didn't have an off season, just like drew, they did have a new offensive coordinator because they're rookies. So they had to do all of these things and they're having a lot of success. We're not seeing like if, if everyone was struggling, if all the young quarterbacks are struggling, then I'd say absolutely that there's definitely something to this. Now, do I think there's still something to it? Sure. I still, I still think what what young
0: quarterbacks are you talking about?
1: Um, pretty much every young quarterback i mean Tua got benched he's still having a really good season uh in his four game sample size Justin Herbert Joe Burrow uh obviously with his injury but i mean what w- which guys aren't having success
0: no i, I was just I, I was just curious if you were talking about like first year quarterbacks uh or beyond that yeah i think um those that those guys make a great case um and Justin Herbert is obviously the one that Broncos fans are seeing the most of and I think he's a bit of an outlier himself in terms of coming onto the scene and playing that well um but I mean that's a totally fair point all those young quarterbacks dealt with some of the same stuff uh and and to me my you know I read Mace's piece and I thought it was very well done from a statistical standpoint and, and it certainly brings some perspective for me like I'm way less interested in statistical comparisons in 2020 just because I think the season is such an outlier. I'm more interested in the fact that, like, I'm just seeing it with my eyes that Drew doesn't look like the same guy that he was last year. Uh, and to me, that's a, it, it, it's a factor of a lot of things. The biggest one to me is confidence. He doesn't look like the same confident player I saw last year. Uh, and that can go into, you know, who knows what's causing that. Um, part of it to me, I think, is that he's not as, nearly as confident in the scheme and in the play calling. But part of it is because he's just not playing as well. He's going backwards in a lot of areas and, and all in the fact that his confidence is trending down, is making his play trend down. It's just a, it's a giant whirlwind uh, of factors that is making Drew play like not a franchise quarterback right now.
2: Do you think the confidence though is causing kind of the, the, the mechanical regression as far as uh, the footwork, the off balance stuff and, and things like that, because Honestly, as much as the the number, it's the n- combo of the numbers in the film for me that, that concern me. Because you take the, you take the numbers which show that we reveal the downward trends, and then you take the film and everything that's on film that has gone wrong. That was evident in what he did in Mizzou and, and why he wasn't a top five, top ten pick.
0: Yeah, I think that you know, all, like the fact that he is not confident right now uh, is causing him to revert back to some old uh, old habits.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's obviously something like Ryan said at the end of the season that hopefully we know if, if he takes off uh, or, or you know, if, if they need to bring someone else in. Uh, but, guys, five I, questions, five minutes.
0: Okay, oh, five. real quick, I just want to add one last thing here. I think that if John Elway is going to play the continuity card in terms of bringing back Vic Fangio and Pat Shermer, then you have to continue that across the board. And so there's a part of me that thinks that Drew Locke will be the quarterback next year just because they're trying to play the continuity card as, okay, we got to try to give continuity a chance.
2: Yeah. Then you bring in a hedge. Then you sign Ryan Fitzpatrick.
0: For sure. All right. Moving on. Uh, Big Tony, my boys. Okay. So let me get this straight. Locke and the rest of the quarterback room get fined for this petty mistake, but neither Kareem Jackson nor Melvin Gordon were fined by the team for getting DUIs. Please help me understand the backwards rationale here. SMH, this is just flat out pathetic in my opinion. Well, here's anyway. why. The, the league fined and suspended
1: those, guys, or will suspend Melvin Gordon. Uh, and so the Vic said on Monday that he wanted to see if the league was going to do anything. Since the team fined the quarterbacks, my guess is that they don't believe that the league is going to. So, yeah, there there, there isn't, or there was a reason for that.
0: He goes on. Anyways, my question today, when a player is traded to another team, what parts, i.e. base salary, signing bonus, roster bonus, workout bonus, so that player's salary goes against their new team's cap? What team is responsible for what? It's as simple as just how many games, right? Like it's pro-rated.
1: And also signing bonus uh, can, can typically stick in dead money with the team that traded them.
0: Uh, orange and blue Aussie, the nuisance of knowing if he's the guy. I have patiently supported Drew, not just as a Broncos fan, but as a fan of Mizzou, uh, CSU gets top spot. Now when Skangs ran the show and Drew started, we went four and one with a seven touchdown to three interception ratio. That was acceptable for a rookie completion percentage of 64.1, not special, but above the Mendoza line. Skangs gets fired. Pat Shermer arrives. It goes south three and four when playing a full game, seven TDs to 11 interceptions, completion percentage drops to 55.6. That's beep. This is what you call regression, and sadly, not from spectacular numbers. So, do you blame Shermer? Do you blame Drew? Or is it a combination of the fact that the teams have found his weakness, Shermer's offense put more pressure on him, or that he was only successful with safe and conservative offense? Did whoever decided to fang- fire Skanks really screw up? Thoughts on these? Ozzy. P.S. Go easy on Macy. Provides stats and analysis which come from his mind. Your heart may be a little orange, but facts are facts. He, Zach, and RK provide great insight, even if it's painful. Great job, guys. Uh,
1: thank you and thank you (laughs) to answer your question I think it's yes I think it's yes to all of them I think all of that is in the picture here yeah yeah I I completely agree
0: completely agree and I think I really do believe they messed up big time by moving on from uh from Scangarello and bringing in Pat Shermer it clearly is not a fit
1: yeah, it's hard to argue against that. Next one from Onion Town Link. So, Spotify tells me I've listened to the DNVR Broncos podcast for 21,142 minutes this year, 267 episodes. Out of the 21,622 minutes of podcasts I've listened to, so obviously there is a clear favorite here. LOL. I uh, really appreciate that. And it's so cool when you guys send us those on Twitter. Love it. So cool. The number translates out to roughly. Three 352 and a half hours of listening. Wow. Now, of course, you guys do pods five times a week, which comes out to 260 days in the year where you do pods. Now, if we take an average on that, I listen to you guys run your mouths about Denver, this, PBJ, this, Count Locula that, for about 1.35 hours every freaking weekday. I think I have a problem. You guys are still awesome. And if there is ever a doubt in your mind that you are anyone's favorite, just read this comment again. Happy Thursday, my dudes. And go get yourself a Kendall Hinton jersey. Also, the fact that I listened to 267 episodes when you guys were only doing 260 days to this just goes to show that you guys are definitely not slackers and you go above and beyond. Also, emergency episodes exist. Have a good day, Lynx. Oh man, Lynx just made my Thursday. Thank you so much.
2: Although the math on that, it's actually pretty easy because during this season, when we haven't talked about a holiday week like Thanksgiving week, we've been doing during the regular season six pods a week because mm-hmm. now we're doing one on Friday as well.
0: Yeah, right. yes. Yeah, we, we don't just do weekdays anymore. Also, there's draft pods and the Denver Sports Podcast that go into those feeds as well. So uh, there was someone who's, who had 290 episodes listened to. <laughs> which yep. is just unbelievable. No, not not a, not assigning favorites here by any means. You guys are all incredible. The fact that several of you have spent 20,000 minutes in the last 365 days listening to us uh, is incredible. Uh, the only person who does that more uh, would probably be Allie and uh, I feel sorry for her that she has <laughs> to Emma.
1: That one right. may not she not be she may not be by choice. Yeah.
2: Let's, let's break this in for a landing real quick. First count Locula. Why we get let Philly will go in the first place? If you were a tree, what kind of tree we should be in? Why love the count? I don't know I'd, that tree question. That's a little existential and we might have to get to that on a future podcast.
1: Yeah. I'd be, a, I'd be an Aspen tree just, uh, you know, always showing my colors uh, and why they let will, will Pars go. It was a Shaq Barrett situation. He wanted to start uh, and, and have a bigger role. He knew that wasn't going to be here. And obviously it didn't turn out like Shaq Barrett down in Tampa.
0: Yeah, I would be a, if you listen to my tone on the uh, beginning of this podcast, I would be a weeping willow. Oh,
1: very sad.
2: I'd prefer, to be an, I'd prefer to be an evergreen. I have my color all year. The problem with an aspen is you don't have your color for eight months out of the year. So, yeah, I well, die
0: and
1: shrivel up in the winter. Yeah.
0: Zach, ha- uh, Zach has been, uh, you know, hanging out inside for a while. So. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs>
0: Uh, last one from the other Ryan my boys I want the Broncos to play pissed off and give the Chiefs a full game effort on Sunday Denver loses but don't shoot themselves in the foot with turnovers surrender defensive and or special teams touchdown make the Chiefs beat them solely by having a better quarterback and offense then I can live with that what constitutes a success for the Broncos on Sunday for each of you even if the Broncos do not ultimately win the game have a terrific Thursday DNB Army salute well to tell you the other Ryan you're going to have to listen in tomorrow which I assume you will do um, because we're running out of time and that's basically what we're talking about on the whole first segment tomorrow is what is a successful game for the Broncos and what can they do to give the Chiefs uh, a battle so we'll talk about that tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast we appreciate all you guys for tuning in uh, and we want to finish by giving a shout out to Green Mountain Dental Group we've had several listeners switch over to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years and make them their permanent family dentist they've told us how much they love it and it falls in line with how we feel about Green Mountain Dental Group as the best damn family owned dentist group in the metro area so check them out when you need any dentist work done and schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam and receive a free sonic toothbrush so you can take care of those pearly whites when you get home check them out but for today that's going to wrap it up for us on the dnvr Broncos podcast we appreciate you all listening we'll talk to you tomorrow